Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you. And, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, and I'll say it again, people know my criticisms of kind of executive polling cars, uh, but that interview was to get information to people. So uh, I ask questions that I think people right now on Sunday, January 24th, they want to know. That's what Brenda and I asked. And I. I know I, the text board's going to say what the text board says. People are going to say what they want on Twitter, but that was to get information out. That's why we do this show. Everyone knows my opinion, and this is not the, this was not the time to do it. So I just thought I would address uh, something I saw on Twitter, Brenda. But now we are uh, happy to be joined by Congressman Brian Higgins. Congressman, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Congressman, a very busy time, obviously, in Washington. Uh, The last time we talked, it was the night of uh, January 6th, something that had been unprecedented in our country where uh, the Capitol was stormed. And uh, you were sort of in the thick of it because you were there as well. How are things now? Are you feeling that things are a little bit uh, more back to normal? I know it must have been unsettling to see all of the barricades and protective devices up around uh, uh, the, the iconic buildings of Washington. How are things now? Uh, things, I think, are better. They've calmed down somewhat. Uh, you know, the Capitol's been attacked, uh, well, first time, I think, 1814 by the British. It was burned. Uh, it was presumed to be the target of al-Qaeda on September 11th, uh, and it was attacked uh, internally uh, two weeks ago. And I think that... Uh, uh, it's caused a concern, cause for concern for everybody. Uh, there are still unanswered questions as it relates to a security breach. Uh, I'm concerned that members may have been involved in providing information uh, to those that, uh, you know, it was an armed insurrection on the United States Capitol. And I don't think an event like that leaves people uh, right away. There are some lingering questions that need to be answered. And we have an obligation to the American people and to the safety of everybody that works in and around the Capitol uh, to find uh, answers uh, to you know, those questions. 
Now, uh, the House, of course, will talk about impeachment on Monday, uh, yeah. and then it'll be sent to the Senate. Uh, Brian, where do you think things will go from that point forward, uh, second impeachment of President Trump? Yeah, he's out of office. I think that, you know, from my standpoint, is a very good thing. Uh, but there's still the question of future deterrence. And if he is found uh, by the United States Senate to have incited a violent insurrection uh, against uh, the United States Capitol, which is the very essence of American democracy. It's where landmark civil rights legislation was passed and environmental laws and, uh, you know, relief for a hurting nation economically during uh, the Great Depression. Uh, so we'll see where the facts lead us. And I think a lot of members uh, of the Senate who are key in this uh, have not disclosed, you know, where they're at. And that would indicate to me that they're waiting to hear the evidence that's presented. Congressman, you know, we have a lot going on. We have a pandemic going on. We have people that really are looking forward to another stimulus check and really want that to be passed. And this country's bleeding money on an hourly basis. The president, the former president has been impeached twice. Do you really think we need to go through with this trial with everything else this country's facing? I think uh, I think the facts need to be presented uh, as they are known, and uh, you know, look, there is in, in, in geometry, two or more objects uh, are concentric because they share or occupy the same space in American politics. We have concentric crises. We have a lethal virus uh, that killed almost four thousand people yesterday. It killed uh, over four hundred thousand people in eleven months. We have a severe economic contraction. We have an existential threat uh, to American democracy from within. And you really can't control the pace of what you are obligated to do. So we have an obligation to, do, to address all of these things, and we're going to try to do all of them uh, at the same time. Uh, I am confident uh, that uh, the new president, uh, we in America, we have a tradition. We, we help each other rise and succeed. Sometimes we are called to, to help, and sometimes we need help. Uh, I think Joe Biden is a good man, and he's shaped by a life of public service and personal tragedy. Uh, he is empathetic, and he is honest. And I think that uh, he also has had a great tradition of working with the United States Senate as a member and as vice president under President Obama. And uh, I am hopeful that we, be, we will be able to do a lot of things at the same time, including uh, getting out front of this lethal virus, with a pledge to uh, vaccinate um, 100, uh, about, or 100 million people, uh, a little less than, than a, a third of the country, uh, in 100 days. And uh, then and only then, when we get out front of this uh, virus, do we have the ability to rebuild the American economy. And I think we will come back. And I think we will come back economically uh, very, very strong under this administration. There's no question there is physical pain, emotional pain, and financial pain, uh, Congressman. But do you think there should be any repercussions on China, since that's where uh, it's reported and and it's been shown that the virus originated from the Wuhan region? What do you think should be done, if anything, uh, to China? Well, here's what I think. Look, I think we need to be hard on China, but I think we need to be harder on ourselves about China. You know, we have a $284 billion trade deficit with China. All the things that we used to make and sell to the rest of the world, they now make and sell to us. The problem is uh, our trade with China is no longer about 
toys and T-shirts. It's about technology. It's about semiconductors. It's about uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, so if there is, I, I think, to be honest about it, Brennan, I also think that we were not prepared for this. You know, there was SARS. This is a variant of the SARS virus. Uh, viruses always mutate. Uh, the SARS virus was around in 2002, severe acute respiratory syndrome. We should have been investing in the National Institutes of Health to develop a treatment and a vaccine much sooner than we did. And that's the fault of a country that fails to invest in its own future. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that there are uh, any more sanctions that can be placed on China, but I do know that we need to be, yes, hard on China, but harder on ourselves about uh, standing up and competing with China, because here's what I do know about China. They're investing in the growth of their own economy. We have not done that uh, effectively in the past 15 years. Congressman, you know, uh, Wednesday, uh, President Biden was inaugurated. We heard that the truth telling would start in, in Washington. And then the president said that he inherited no vaccine plan, which then Speaker Pelosi also said that there was no vaccine plan, to which Dr. Fau- Anthony Fauci said, no, they had it, they had adopted a vaccine plan under the Trump administration. I don't. What was the point of Speaker Pelosi uh, repeating that lie after Anthony Fauci said, no, there was a plan. We're just going to up it a little bit. I, 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 you know, we we talk about unity. We talk about coming together and and I'm all for that. And I thought what happened January 6th was disgusting. And, you know, whatever, what, what, what the repercussions of that are are deserved. And I don't, you know, I don't ever want to see something like that again. But we talk about unity, but then we still have politicians just saying stuff that are blatantly untrue of the last administration. Well, I, I, I think that uh, I don't think anybody thinks that this past administration was effective in responding to a very lethal virus. And, you know, the, the, the uh, measures that were taken by the country to basically a government-mandated shutdown of the American economy uh, you know, produced a, a dual blow. Uh, so we have those two issues. Uh, clearly, uh, Dr. Fauci has uh, played a central role in this, but I think he was sidelined for a lot of uh, the last several months. And, you know, what have we been told? Listen to the public health experts. Well, the public health experts have to be free to provide good, relevant facts to produce good acts of of renewal and healing. Uh, That clearly did not happen. I think Dr. Fauci, who really doesn't seem to be a political guy, seems to be a very credible career infectious disease expert and probably the most accomplished infectious disease expert in the country. Uh, he was sidelined, and he, all, he, he basically said that, that now he has the opportunity to speak freely to the American people. And I, I think we can all acknowledge that there were mixed messages coming from all over the place, which just you know, confused people as to what it is they were supposed to do. But the one consistent message is we now have vaccinations. We can still wear a face mask uh, to protect ourselves and protect our families. And we can practice good social distancing. And with vaccines and, and, uh, and those other things, I believe that we can get out front of this uh, by early summer. Do you have any role in, in expediting the vaccines to Erie County and, and New York State? We talked to 
Erie County Executive Mark Polenkars uh, just a few minutes ago, and uh, it's a very frustrating situation where there are, there's huge demand and not enough vaccines. That's true, Brenda. And and you know, first of all, you've got to have you've got to have two doses. You have to have over 600 million vaccines. That means 600 million uh, uh, syringes and and 600 million vials. And uh, obviously, we have a lot of catching up to do. And by the way, Mark Polenkars. You know, he has, I think, handled this very professionally. He's very matter-of-fact. He's very serious uh, in encouraging people what it is they can be doing. I think what we can do, uh, there is more money in this $1.9 trillion uh, disaster relief uh, package for vaccines, uh, for uh, all of the things that we need to be doing to protect our people. And there's also money in there, $350 billion for states and localities like New York, like Erie County, like the city of Buffalo, uh, because of you know the hit that they've taken over the last 11 months. You know, the economy contracts. Uh, there are fewer sales tax revenues from which... Uh, their budget are supported by. So I think they're getting relief. They're getting relief late. But I think it all goes back to uh, a federal government response that was not effective from the very beginning. In times of national crisis, in times of national emergency, uh, a declaration is made for a reason, whether it's a snowstorm, a flood, uh, forest fires, or or hurricanes, uh, that the federal government marshals all of its resources and it ensures that the states and localities that are most effective, uh, affected have the resources they need on the ground to protect our people. Because in the end, we're all Americans. And everybody, you know, first and foremost, whether you're a president, a member of Congress, a county executive, a governor, you have an obligation to keep your people healthy and safe. And, uh, and I think there are a lot of lessons to learn right now. But, uh, I think that we're beginning to get it right, and I think we will continue to get it right. I think uh, the Biden approach will both be successful uh, and and serious, and I think uh, that's a good start. NY26 Congressman Brian Higgins is with us. And Brian, you mentioned about the uh, economic hit that we've taken, and part of that uh, in terms of sales tax and other revenue comes from the U.S.-Canada border closure, and uh, you've been a proponent of having it open on a limited basis, and now President Biden, I think, is aware of that and is issuing an executive order. What's the latest on the uh, the border opening, or at least partially opening? Well, it's uh, there's a serious engagement. Uh, the president issued an executive order uh, to uh, have three of his cabinet secretaries develop a plan within 14 days. And that will include an active engagement with the Canadian federal government. I will tell you uh, from personal experience, uh, every week trying to get the border open, that was my primary objective, and I regret that I wasn't able to do it. Uh, But uh, that at the very least, we can get the category of what's referred to as an essential traveler uh, expanded uh, to include what uh, Canada allows. But the one issue, and I've said this before to you, and I, I don't mean to sound redundant, but the one issue that matters every single day, it's only one issue, and that is the number of COVID-19 cases you have per 100,000 population. And for most, not all, but for most of the past 11 months, uh, the United States was five, seven, ten times higher than that of Canada. So that's why Americans can't travel to Canada. That's why Americans can't travel to 27 European uh, Union uh, countries because our cases are 
so much higher than that of everybody else. We are viewed as super spreaders, and I would argue that that has a lot to do with how this was managed from the very beginning or mismanaged from the very beginning. Congressman, uh, talking about COVID-19, talking about the vaccines, and hey, I'm supporting anyone that can get vaccines to us as quickly as possible. Uh, But I did find it interesting. I just want to know your opinion. You know, Governor Cuomo rightfully said that this should not be a political issue, and I 100% agree. But Amazon waited until after Joe Biden was inaugurated to say that they would help with the vaccines. Does it seem like Amazon's playing politics? I don't know. I, 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 truthfully, Joe, I'm not familiar with that. I, I, here's what I do know. I, I do know that from the very, very beginning, there was a lot of confusion. And I think that that should not have been the case. And when there is a national disaster, it is the federal government and the president of the United States, along with Congress. I mean, think about it. We passed $3 trillion with both Republicans and Democrats uh, to provide relief to businesses, to various sectors of the economy, uh, we still have to do a lot more. So I I think we're discovering new things, new strategies. uh, But I do think that the Biden administration is taking a very uh, serious uh, uh, approach to this problem. And thus, I think they will be successful. Uh, Congressman, do you think or is there are there plans to get more stimulus checks? I know Joe Biden was talking about once he's in office, he wants to get another check out to Americans that would equal 2000. So fourteen hundred more dollars. Is there a plan in place? I know there was an executive order signed. Uh, Is Congress working on another relief package? Uh, We are. I I think it should be more than $2,000. I mean, you look at the various sectors. We've talked about this before. You have the $22.5 trillion economy. Uh, 70% of that is consumption. So if you have money in your pocket, you buy things. That creates a demand in the economy. That demand creates growth in the economy. We have had a severe contraction uh, for the past 11 months. We have to do whatever it is we need to do to get get people spending again. You look at the restaurant industry, uh, the bars, the taverns, and Buffalo. You talk about an industry that's taken a hit without enough help. Uh, There's one industry. But this is a pandemic, uh, a lethal virus that affected every sector of the American economy. I don't think it's should be the role of Congress to pick winners and losers within the context of this pandemic. Everybody needs help because it was not the fault of any one individual or any one sector in the economy that created this situation. Truthfully, it was the federal government. And Republicans and Democrats have to accept responsibility for that and provide all of the relief that is necessary to, A, get out front of this virus, and B, to have a robust economic recovery uh, once we get out in front of this. We haven't had 3% growth in the American economy in 15 years. And we should be growing this economy at 35 4 4.5%. And when we had that kind of growth sustained each year over an eight-year period in the 1990s, we didn't have a budgetary deficit. We had a budgetary surplus of over $300 billion. Uh, we, were reducing the, uh, we were reducing the overall debt. We were investing in scientific research and infrastructure uh, and education. And, you know, I think a big part of this administration will be, for the first time, we were promised 
infrastructure week for four years, and there's no new investment in infrastructure. In the past 10 years, we have spent as much uh, building the roads and bridges of Afghanistan and Iraq than we spent in building the roads and bridges of America. And I think that people are looking to rebuild uh, the infrastructure of this country because it's not only about the bricks and mortar of infrastructure, it's about the growth that that investment will give you because of the jobs that will be created to fund things like scientific research and education that built the greatest country in the history of the world. Brian, before we go, I did want to ask you about a tweet uh, that you put out yesterday about the uh, Buffalo Harbor North Breakwater, which was heavily damaged uh, in October of 2019. Looks like federal funding will be forthcoming. Was that something that you were able to secure for this? And if so, how soon will that get uh, that project get started? Uh, it will get started soon. The Army Corps of Engineers did a very good job. Uh, we helped secure that $15 million dollars. Um, in order to have a successful waterfront development, you have to have uh, the breakwater that's uh, or the break wall that's 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 necessary to you know uh, uh, control the wave action into you know the areas that you're trying to develop. So uh, the new park, uh, the Ralph Wilson uh, Jr. Uh, Foundation, uh, funding a big part of it at Centennial, uh, will be applauding this. They've been looking to get this this repaired for a long time because they can't do what they want to do to create. Uh, a better uh, public access opportunity for people in Buffalo and Western New York without those repairs. So that's what we try to do uh, every day, working with the mayor. Uh, mayor Brown and I have talked about this many times. That was one of his, his objectives. And we have done incremental improvements to the break uh, wall along the Buffalo waterfront. Uh, but that's as important as creating good projects uh, on the land adjacent to the waterfront. Because I often say you can't build a successful waterfront on polluted waterways or waterways that, you know, the, the wave action is too rough to uh, sustain things like swimming beaches and those kinds of things. So there's some things that are more evident and others uh, I think we just kind of take for granted. And that infrastructure, uh, that's an infrastructure project. Uh, that's a $15 million project. And I just think if we do, you know, a two trillion-dollar infrastructure plan, which would be the greatest investment in infrastructure in the history of the country. Uh, I've often said that, that, you know, the New Deal uh, was done uh, in the 1930s in three different iterations. It was $41 billion uh, back then. It was uh, translated to today's dollars, it's $675 billion. So this would be, you know, quite considerably, potentially three times higher. And we have a lot more waterfront to rebuild. We have a lot more uh, infrastructure, both the infrastructure you can see, uh, roads and bridges, but also the infrastructure you can't see. And sometimes, as a consequence, gets neglected. It's a water system. It's a sewer system. And all of these things are going to be applauded, uh, you know, as very, very important for the county executive and the mayor, and we're working together toward that goal. Congressman, quick prediction for the game tonight. Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. 21-28 bills. 28-21 bills. I like to hear it. That means I'll be doing a post-game show right here on WBEN. <laughs> Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for including me. Take care. Congressman thank Brian you. Higgins joins us. When we come back, we'll be talking to Frank Todaro and Joe Larigo. But two minutes late, here's an update with Neil McManus. And one- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to a very busy hardline. Thanks so much to our guests who have been on with us, Dr. Raul Vasquez, Erie County Executive Mark Polencar's New York Congressman Brian Higgins. And now it's a pleasure to welcome two Erie County legislators, Joe Larigo and Frank Todaro. Gentlemen, good morning. Morning, Brenda. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Good. Doing well. Doing well, guys. Excited for the game and uh, looking forward to it tonight. But first, we have some business to get to. And uh, very interesting uh, legislation proposed about uh, capping delivery services for restaurants. And uh, Joe, if you want to start first to explain uh, how you and Frank decided to team up on this and what the objective of the resolution is. Sure. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, Frank, uh, John Mills, and Ed Rath and I, we uh, put forward a local law that would have capped delivery fees by third-party services such as DoorDash and Uber Eats at 20% on the total food order. Uh, we had been in constant contact with uh, restaurant owners and representatives from the Western New York Restaurant Association who said that uh, you know the increased charges were killing them along with the increased costs of takeout containers. And so we put the local law in. Unfortunately, our colleagues across the aisle never uh, gave it a committee discussion or public hearing. But uh, recently, the New York State Senate passed an almost identical bill and uh, we're hoping that the assembly follows suit. Now, the Minority Caucus, uh, including both uh, Joe and Frank, our guests here, first introduced this in early December. Do you think that some of what you did back uh, about a month ago had some impact on uh, the state doing something similar? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, we're in the county legislature from our minority, we're constantly leading from a minority position. Uh, you know, we have a lot of great ideas that have come to the forefront just by the fact that, you know, people like Frank and myself are in constant contact with business owners. And, you know, we put these ideas forward. Unfortunately, the legislature never really brings them to the table, but other people take notice, like, uh, you know, state representatives. And I think that's how the, the state law got done. 
Uh, Frank could probably speak to that as well. Yes. Go right ahead, Frank. Yeah, so what my minority leader, uh, my colleague here, Joe Larigo, has just said is uh, we bought it up. Uh, these items would just sit in committee for some time, and then it would be recognized from higher levels of government, state level. And now that has been brought up, the bill is sitting there and ready to get uh, voted on with the assembly. Now, uh, say I drive uh, for one of these third-party companies and I hear this, uh, is it going to affect what I'm making on deliveries? I'll answer that. No. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Not be affected. The way this law was written is that there should be no reverse um, situ- situations with the driver themselves. We're going to be sure that they are protected. No additional fees will be removed. They will be receiving their tips, and we're going to make sure that uh, that is happening. Right. The law pr- prevents the, the, the business, whether it's Uber Eats or whoever, from passing off any losses onto the driver. So drivers are taken care of. And I think you know, the one thing that's also important to point out with this is that it's only uh, to be in effect during a state of emergency that we're in right now. Um, this is not something where we're looking to limit these fees or affect the free market uh, going forward. But the fact of the matter is we're not in a free market right now. You know, there are regulations that have been sent down from the governor that have completely decimated the playing field for these restaurants. And we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that they are there and surviving after the pandemic is over. Now, you gentlemen have uh, different districts, of course, that you represent. Joe Larigo is District 10 and Frank Todaro District 8. What kind of uh, feedback do you get from the restaurants in your in your respective uh, districts? And is the biggest thing they talk about the concern about the 10 p.m. closing at this point? Well, uh, I can say that my family, we are a family of six. We are constantly trying to uh, use these restaurants that are here in our, our district just to support them. And I'm making sure that we're doing about three, four days a week on the takeout. And I actually talk with the owners and it's, it's just devastating the, uh, the feedback that I'm getting that they're working and slaving so hard behind that grill, trying to make the bills and, and pay their bills. And then a large portion of what they should be making to keep their head afloat is going to a third party service. So, again, what uh, Minority Leader uh, Joel just mentioned, is, it is this is during a declared emergency that we're doing this. We don't want to affect um, anybody in the um, – we just want to make sure the small business know that we're not trying to interfere. We're trying to help them during this emergency. Um, a couple figures I want to mention is that the New York State Restaurant Association has forecasted that 54% of the restaurants will close. And that's not a good number. So this is where the help is needed. And to your point about the 10 p.m. closing time, that is something that I've spoken with a lot of restaurant owners about throughout my legislative district and throughout Erie County as a whole. Uh, You know, we in the Minority Caucus have sort of, you know, taken up the plight of restaurant owners for the past several months. And, you know, they speak to us. We're in regular contact with them. The 10 p.m. closing time is, is arbitrary. And, you know, look, we're not sitting here advocating to, you know, to bring bars back open until 4 o'clock and, you know, let people mill about at 100 percent capacity. But there, there's no difference between, you know, COVID entering a bar at, you know, 9, nine o'clock than there is at 1030. Um, you know, I was actually out to dinner last night, uh, you know, and the restaurant was following all proper procedures and protocol. 
I felt very safe and very comfortable, and I could see that they were looking to get people you know, through because they needed to get as many tables turned before 10 p.m. as they possibly could. I think it's time that we start looking at easing that restriction a little bit. Yeah, what is the reason for 10 o'clock? I, I understand. I understand. I, as much as I make fun of it, I understand the, hey, you have to order something to eat when you go out to drink. I get that because they don't want you just hanging around uh, drinking. But, you know, there are people, we live in a very blue collar town where, where, you know, people are working all different shifts. It's not unlike someone to get out of work after 10 o'clock and want to go to a restaurant. What is the reasoning for keeping that 10 o'clock cap? You know, it's a great question, and you're absolutely right. The, the, I, I don't know the reason. I think it, it was just the governor's decision. But you know, a few years ago, when there was a push to start closing bars at 2 a.m. instead of 4 a.m., you know, I talked to a lot of uh, you know restaurant and bar owners down in the Allentown area that rely on people in the industry coming to them for late night. And I understand the the food with the alcohol because you don't want people sitting at a bar and milling about and not moving around. But there's no reason why you can't have people come in after 10 o'clock, get their food, be socially distanced, follow all the protocols, and close at a later time. And, you know, we've been able to get these restaurants back open, you know, under yellow zone restrictions. I think the next push needs to be easing that 10 p.m. restriction. I think a lot of people would agree with that, Joe. And and I want to switch gears here for a moment and uh, Joe, you weigh in first, and then Frank, if you would. But you had called about, um, or you called for a formal health and human services committee to be formed because of the problems with the vaccine rollout and how there's already a lack of uh, COVID supplies and vaccines. Where do you stand on that, Joe? Uh, you know, I, well, I didn't call for a committee to be formed. We have a standing health and human services committee. We just have a legislature majority that refuses to call a formal committee meeting. Uh, the last actual meeting that we had of the Health and Human Services Committee was November 12th of last year. And then, you know, we've been through all of these problems. The, the, the virus has gotten out of control. We don't have the amounts of vaccine that we're supposed to have. And they refused to call these meetings. Uh, they had an inf- informational meeting back in December that lasted all of 15 minutes. I think the pressure has finally gotten to them. There is a Health and Human Services Committee meeting scheduled for next week, Thursday. But again, they only scheduled it for 45 minutes. And if anybody has you know, paid attention to the way these committee meetings work, you know, you'll have uh, Dr. Burstein come in and speak for 20 minutes, and then there will be a lot of patting around the back for the next 20 minutes by members of the Democratic majority. And people like me and Frank won't get an opportunity to ask, to ask the questions that our constituents are dying for us to ask. There needs to be a better way, and you need to have a legislature majority that's interested in doing the people's work, not just following behind the county executive. Frank, you're new to politics in terms of uh, being on the legislature. How frustrating is this for you when you hear uh, the obvious frustration in the voice of your colleague about uh, uh, being stonewalled, essentially, by your Democratic counterparts? I can tell you, I come from the private sector, where if I make a decision as a, as a owner of my company, it gets done. Things, get, you know, things move forward, and you know, we're making the decisions based off what I know is best for the company. Here I am in a government role, and I'll tell you, it's very frustrating that the, the way the process works, and we're, we're being sidelined. We, at times, we're, we're limited on time of speaking that our commissioner would come in, as Joe uh, just mentioned, speak for 20 minutes, get the pats on the back, and then she has to scuttle off to something else that's important, cutting us off. 
it's not right. It's not transparent. It's not right or fair for this community whatsoever. This county needs – we're still under an emergency um, here in the county. We should be getting this once a month at least is the way I feel. We just want our answers. That's all we're asking. Yeah, you know, uh, Joe, last time we talked to you, you said you had a um, request or a few requests to talk to the county executive. That was like a month ago. Have you talked to the county executive since then? Have you had that meeting? Uh, is he listening to the minority party? You know, I actually, it's funny that you bring that up. I, I called the county executive a few weeks ago, and it was the first time in over a year that he's taken my call. Uh, we had a good conversation for a few minutes, uh, talked about some issues. It was, I'm trying to think when the, when the conversation took place, but it had to do with the, the restaurant ruling um, and challenging New York State uh, on behalf of Erie County, bringing a legal action to sue the governor to eliminate the orange zone for everyone. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the county executive wasn't willing to have the county attorney do that, uh, but we did have a good conversation. And, you know, I think, you know, I heard him on your, uh, your show earlier this morning. You know, he's getting frustrated as well. Uh, the governor is, is making all of these decisions unilaterally, and people like Mark uh, you know, have no choice but to do what, what he says. Um, I would hope that we could work together you know, in a bipartisan fashion on behalf of Erie County residents and business owners to ease some of these restrictions, uh, and I look forward to continuing that conversation with him. Um, unfortunately, you know, I'm not getting that same level of cooperation from my Democratic colleagues in the legislature, but baby steps, if you will. Well, what happens when you do reach out to April Baskin and the other uh, majority leaders? What kind is it? Is it crickets? Is there nothing at all? You know, there's there's a lot of animosity, unfortunately, between uh, the the Democratic legislators and and you know myself and other minority caucus members, and I think that animosity stems from the fact that people like Frank and me have been leading from the minority position, and they don't like it. And rather than, you know, accept the fact that we should be working together for everyone, uh, they want to take the credit and, and make it seem as if they're the only ones doing anything. And they get frustrated when we point out that there are things that need to be done differently or better or more, and it breaks down lines of communication. Well, it's really unfortunate for the constituents of, of Erie County. Um, I'd like to think there's some bipartisanship that can be achieved in 21. And I noticed, Joe, that you put out a congratulatory tweet to President Biden. Uh, is there any hope, do you think, for these differences to be resolved? Look, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, when we focus on our differences, that's when we lose. You know, there's so much that we all have in common that, you know, when when all we focus on is how different we are or whether we're Democrat or Republican or these labels, these arbitrary labels that define people, that's where we lose. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're all Americans and we're all Erie County residents who are in the legislature working together. And, you know, not to, to go back to the previous question, but maybe Frank could talk about this as well. You know, just this past Thursday, uh, you know, one of our colleagues across the aisle, uh, Kevin Hardwick, put forward a resolution, you know, that was just a feel-good resolution thanking the health department and health department workers for, you know, doing their jobs. Frank and I and our minority caucus colleagues put forward amendments that would have actually done something. We would have spent, you know, between 2 and $5 million on, you know, small business relief for Erie County residents and, and restaurant owners and business owners. Uh, and for every single amendment that we tried to put forward, the Democrats all voted no, and they said we can't do it because it's not enough. Well, if that's not enough, we need to start somewhere, and that's the frustration that we deal with. 
Frank, go ahead and weigh in. Well, yes, that is exactly the situation that has just occurred this past Thursday. Um, You know, we even brought up the fact that there's $102 million sitting in an account that is the taxpayers' monies. Those are extra taxes that we all paid sitting in an account for they call a rainy day. Well, I don't know, but it's been raining for over 10 months with this pandemic. What are we going to do here? We start. We need to start utilizing some of those funds to help our local economy. Thus, as Joe just explained, a few million dollars just to help some of these restaurants to survive. That's imperative. But they kept them. They just said no. They didn't want to hear it and said no. Well, it's it seems like a really untenable solution right now, uh, an untenable problem really, with no real solution in sight. Uh, and I, I don't think it helps that there's this ongoing feud between County Executive Polonkars and Controller Stefan Mihailu. Uh, how does any of that seep into this situation that you uh, legislators are in? You know, you're not the first person to ask me that question, and I'll give the same answer that, that I did before. I don't think anybody benefits from the bickering back and forth between the County Executive and the Controller. You know, if you want to talk about issues, talk about issues. The personal attack, the, the, the yelling back and forth, the gotcha-style politics and the you know, uh, ridiculous letters that they're pulling, that doesn't serve our residents. That's more about their own egos than it is about the people of Erie County. And people like Frank and I are working to help the people of Erie County, and I think that's what needs to get more attention. Well, let's hope that that can be achieved for all of us. And, uh, gentlemen, we really appreciate you taking time on a Sunday morning to join us, legislators Joseph Larigo and Frank Todaro. Go Bills, guys, and thanks very much for joining us. Go Bills. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, everybody. You bet. Joe, uh, I know you're as excited as I am. I can't wait for 640 to roll around, and hopefully we'll be talking a little later today after uh, after the Bills game. Yeah, you know, uh, excited to uh, to get this game going. You've you've got the Tampa Bay-Green Bay game at 3. I, I wish the Sabres would have played at 12, but because of an NBC uh, exclusive window, they couldn't have moved that game up to 12. Anyway, it's a sports-packed weekend. And by the way, if you're in the car, if you're listening to BEN right now, the games will be right here. The Westwood One National Broadcast at 3 o'clock. Well, coverage starts at 2. But 3 o'clock, you've got Tampa Green Bay. 640, Bills, Chiefs. And yes, if Buffalo wins, join me. I will be here right after the game. I will drive into the studio with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter, and I'll be ready to take your calls on what this means. GR will handle what the game was, the game breakdown. I'm going to tell you from a millennial standpoint and from your standpoint what it's like what it's like to finally be talking about the buffalo bills in the super bowl but brenda i don't want to get too far ahead of myself i know i know we'll take it one step at a time hope for the best and uh, enjoy the ride thanks so much for tuning in today everybody yep go bills we will talk to you next week on wben We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.